Hey, welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and the future of the next generation. My name is Dave Adamson. I'm one of your hosts. And in this season of the podcast, we're speaking to the humans who made Orange Conference 2022 happen. We'll talk about what it means to be human and how churches like yours can serve and care for the humans in your local community, plus provide a ton of other resources. And today I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Ashley Bohens, who's the Director of Middle School Strategy here at Orange. And she's also just written a brand new book called Communicating with Middle Schoolers. You're going to love this conversation with Ashley. Check it out. We believe the work you do on the front lines with kids and teenagers is the most important work in the world. Every meeting with a small group leader, email to parents, and late night supply run matters because you're helping kids and teenagers develop an everyday faith. On average, you have about 40 hours this year to influence the faith of kids and teenagers who come to your programming. That means you need to be intentional about your messaging strategy. Orange Curriculum is a comprehensive strategy for birth to high school. Each age group curriculum not only provides you with strategic messages to engage kids and students with biblical truths, but also resources to help you train volunteers and partner with parents. So start using Orange Curriculum to spend less time planning your message and more time doing what only you can do, building relationships. You can get started today at tryorangefree.com. That's tryorangefree.com. Ashley Bohens is in the house. Ashley, how are you? It's been so long since we've sat opposite each other like this. It's so good to be back, friend. Thanks for having me. Big shout out to all the original Think Orange podcast listeners who will remember you as uh, I was your co-host. You were the host (laughs) of the show. And so it's good to be finally in this driver's seat and I get to drive this conversation because we're talking to you today about your brand new book. Can you tell us two things? Title of the book and how excited are you on a scale of one to 10? Oh my goodness. Okay, book is called Community Communicating to middle schoolers, developing and delivering messages that stick. And I'm very excited about this book. I can't, I'm, I'm way off the scale, Dave, which is not shocking to anybody who knows me. I've been dying to get to the point in this process where I get to tell people about it. That's awesome. So yeah. very pumped. On a scale of one to 10, you are a 72 by the looks of things. Um, tell me, why did you write this book though? Why, why did you feel like this topic was so important? Well, there are limited resources when it comes to the middle school phase. And I personally believe there's nothing that you could pour yourself into that has a larger return on investment Mm -hmm. than pouring into middle schoolers. Mm. And I think that there's a lot that hangs in the balance of, you know, delivering messages that are dynamic and interesting and relevant to a middle schooler because it could just change everything for them. And when we communicate to middle schoolers, we're not just trying, you know, to teach in a way that we teach to adults. I mean, middle schoolers aren't large elementary school students and they're not small high schoolers, they're middle schoolers and they think in a specific way or a lot of random ways, I should say. And so I think we as communicators need to keep, you know, sharpening our craft and figuring out how do we communicate in a way that matters to them. Yeah. Yeah, Ash, I've seen you communicate to my daughters when they were in middle school and I've seen you do it multiple different times. You're obviously extremely good at it. What would you say is the first step for somebody when it comes to communicating to middle schoolers. Ooh, okay. I think it really actually has nothing to do with how you communicate. In my humble opinion, the Mm -hmm. first step is knowing who you're communicating to. Okay. And I think there are two ways you can know middle schoolers. You can know them developmentally and you can know them culturally. And I think they're both equally important. I think we as adults, a lot of times only know them one way really well. Okay. And we forget about the other side of why the other 
knowing them the other way matters. Okay, so break that down though. What, what do you mean by knowing them culturally and knowing them developmentally? Okay, so when I say developmentally, knowing physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, spiritually, what's going on in the life of a middle schooler? How are okay. they changing? What's happening in their brain? What are they experiencing? So that you can, I mean, when you study the science of learning and the science of retaining information, you start to understand like, you need to communicate in a certain way for a middle schooler to process it in their brain. Mm. And you have to consider what's happening in their life and their friendships. Yeah. But then knowing them culturally would be knowing what words are cool or whatever the word for cool is right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what are the words or the phrases or examples or the artists that they're following or the influencers mm. on TikTok? And so I think knowing them both makes you more relevant. Yeah. And the hard part about knowing them culturally is it changes so fast. And what's cool in California is not yet cool on the East Coast. Yeah. And what's happening in the United States of America is not necessarily what's really happening over in Australia. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it has to be contextualized for where you are in the world. Yeah, context is so important, isn't it? it so is. when it comes to that cultural side, it's context. But would you say that uh, developmentally middle schoolers all over the world are changing and going through this uh, similar sort of phase in their life? I would say so. And, and you know, the phase is marked by puberty, our good friend mm -hmm. puberty. <laughs> and so for some that happens younger than others, but sometime in that 10 to 14 year old phase, and it might start earlier than 10 or start later than 14 for some, mm. but for a majority of kids, it's happening in that phase. And when puberty hits, yeah. things change developmentally and we can anticipate that. So yes, culture is very different than when I was in middle school, yeah. but developmentally, middle schoolers are kind of changing in the same way I was changing when I was in middle school. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So so why then, Ash, are words so important? You know, communicators are always using words and they're trying to pick their words wisely. I know you do this. I know you agonize over almost every word when you're presenting. And I've always appreciated that about you, but why would you say words are so important when it comes to communicating with middle schoolers? Oh my gosh, you, you just asked the best question ever. Like this is the whole premise of the book. There are multiple chapters about this or sections. Um, I would say actually one of my biggest pet peeves about communicating to middle schoolers is often people approach it like, well, you just need to water the content down that you teach high schoolers mm -hmm. or dumb it down a little bit so mm. middle schoolers can understand. And I'm like, no, that's not it. Watering something down makes it weaker or less effective and dumbing it down lowers the level of difficulty or intelligence. Yeah. But breaking something down just separates it into smaller parts. Mm. So I think the most important thing to remember when communicating to middle schoolers is to break it down. I mean, this is why when a toddler eats a burger, you cut it into little pieces. Like yeah. the toddler needs the meat for the nutrition, but they can't digest it the same way an adult can. Yeah. They can eat the same food, they just have to digest it differently. And the same thing's true with how a middle schooler processes faith. And mm -hmm. so I think ways that we can break it down are defining words and common Christian phrases and idioms and phrases yeah. that they may not know how to take that in context of what you're talking about. Another way that we can break it down is use more concrete language than abstract language, which mm -hmm. is hard when you're talking about faith because faith in general is very abstract. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've made, in the Western world especially, we've made faith very abstract. I like how, I, first of all, I love that. Don't dumb it down, don't water it down, just break it down. What's a good example of some things, you talked about You know, defining words. What's an example of that, that you, where you've been writing a message and you've had to define words? Where would you start with that whole process? I mean, for me, typically I start with what's the scripture I'm gonna be teaching. Mm -hmm. And when I read it through first, even before I dig into what's the text talking about, yep. 
as a whole, I look for any words or phrases that a middle schooler might get hung up on or might not have context for. In an okay. easy way, you know, as an adult, we can think through when we're talking about spiritual concept, how would somebody who doesn't know anything about faith think like what questions would they have or yeah, why yeah. would this be confusing? What what would they need to know about this? It's a similar skill mm. when you're talking to a middle schooler. It's like what word phrase, what name for God, what what do I need to give context to and then dive into the full meaning of that scripture? Gotcha. Is that how you start when you're preparing a message? You you literally will highlight the words that need defining in a verse? Yeah, uh, totally. And even before I explain what I think the verse is saying, I think that words and definitions, you break it into smaller parts by defining them and giving context okay, and then you string them together. What's your example of that? Um, in scripture or just in a word just in general? A, just a word in general, yeah. Okay, okay, let me let me take you through this exercise, Dave. Okay, if I were to use the word produce, that's mm -hmm. a very abstract word. A mm -hmm. more concrete word for that would be fruit. Yeah. A more concrete word for that would be apple. Okay. A more concrete word for that would be a Honeycrisp apple. <laughs> okay. And a more concrete word would be the apple my mom packed me for lunch today. Gotcha. So it's like, Taking it from 50,000 feet produce yeah. down to a thousand feet, the actual specific apple that we packed at lunch today. Oh, gotcha. So how do I take something that is 50,000 feet and bring it down to, for them to understand and connect it to something that they already know or something that they already have context for? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we read scripture, this is something that pops up all the time, right? There's these words that we as communicators think, Everybody, we assume everybody just knows what it is, either because we've used it a lot in in church or because it's such a prevalent word used throughout the Bible yeah. that we just assume everybody knows. But like, for example, the word witness is one of those words, right? If you, if you were doing a verse that talked about being a witness, yes, that would be a good example of a word. Is Well, I'm asking the question, is that a good example of a word you would define and break down? Yeah, and this is what's so important about communicating to middle schoolers is we have to remember that reading comprehension is very different than listening comprehension. So mm. although a middle schooler may on an English test be able to define witness, yep. when witness is used in the context of scripture, like Acts 1-8, mm -hmm. which I, it's, you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Yeah. Depending on what translation you use, some translations give more context. Like I believe the NIV just says, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Yeah, yeah. And I believe NLT says, you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it gives more like almost like a definition of witnesses yeah. so that a middle schooler, which I love, and I know that some people like, you know, love using a certain translation. I'm not trying to say you should or shouldn't use a translation. I am saying that there are some that give more context. Yeah. But if I was teaching from NIV, I would stop and I would say a witness is yeah. when you tell people about somebody else yeah, or yeah. you tell them what happened. You tell them what you observed or what you heard. Yeah. And I would connect it to maybe you've seen a movie about this where there was a court case and they called a witness up who was at that scene. Gotcha. And so I would connect it because anytime you give information, when you look at the science of learning, anytime you present new information, yep. we process that information in our working memory. And mm. that means our, our brain has to go back into things that we already know and connect that new piece of information or that new word or that new phrase to something that we already know and something that we already understand yeah. in order for it to make sense, in order to retain it. Okay. It's fascinating. Yeah, that is fast. So you're saying this happens in a middle schooler's mind. Every time they're listening to somebody communicate to them, they're making those same connection points 
they're going back into their own mind to make that, try to make that connection. If you as the communicator are not making that connection for yep, them. Absolutely. And when puberty hits, the brain is completely rewiring. And so things that were connected mm. before aren't connected anymore. Like they, it might've made sense to them three weeks ago, but then you have a conversation down the line and they've forgotten everything you said. And anybody who's listening, who's worked with middle school knows when you ask them, what did you do last week? They're like, we have no idea. And you're like, am I winning at all as a youth pastor? Like, yeah. is it, Anybody hearing anything I'm saying? Wow. So I think that that's really key. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a dad. I've not really spoken to middle schoolers in a larger scale the way that you have for sure. But even as a dad, I know that I can tell my kids one thing, but yeah, like you said, they might forget about it the next week. How do you, Ash, with all that that's going on, how do you personally do this? Because what I'm thinking is I see my kids' eyes glaze over <laughs> or they're distracted by something else. And on a large scale, like I've been in student ministry enough to know that somebody can be speaking on stage and it looks like the kids are all distracted. But is that because they're just trying to mentally make those connections? I think it's easy to assume they're distracted when they're actually listening. Mm. I think we, you know, I know learning theories and learning styles are debated, but I think we all learn in different ways. Yeah. And I think the more dynamic we can be as a communicator and we tend to communicate in the way that we best learn and receive information, yeah. but the more dynamic we can be in, you know, engaging all of their senses or getting them up and moving, getting them yeah. talking, having a conversation with each other, the more that we can do that, yeah. the better chance they have at retaining information. You know, the goal isn't just to teach them information, it's for them to retain information and do something with it, Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So how do we as communicators, you know, transition from being the sage on the stage who knows all the things and tells them everything <laughs> they need to know to a guide on the side? Like how do we approach talking to middle schoolers in a way that encourages interaction and it doesn't scare communicators when middle schoolers do start interacting with each other or with the room or with you as the communicator? Here's what we know is true. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in what you do as a ministry leader. You know that every early morning, late night, and meeting that could have been an email is so worth it. And when you believe in what you do this much, you do everything you can to make it better. You know that the mission is too important not to try something new. And that's why we created the Redesign Your Ministry to Last course from Orange Masterclass. Join Reggie Joyner as he unpacks the five essential values for your ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic, and innovative strategies to help you elevate them in your ministry. Start working on your ministry, not just in your ministry, today by going to orangemasterclass.com. Okay, uh, this is brilliant. I just want to go back. There's something <laughs> I need to go back and because you said it as just throwaway thing, but I think it's super important. You, you said there's a difference between between being a sage on a stage mm -hmm. versus the guide on the side. Can you unpack that a little bit, a little bit more? I mean, the sage on the stage is exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like me as a communicator standing in front of the room, everybody's looking at me, everybody's listening to me, and I'm telling them all the information that they need to know. Mm -hmm. A guide on the side is a little bit, you know, more loose in terms of you aren't necessarily in the front of the room. A guide mm. on the side is you're actually promoting discovery with, you know, conversations they're having with each other yeah. and you're coaching them and you're pointing things out and you're still 
exchanging information, but you're inviting them into the process. It's yeah. more active kind of learning yeah. versus a passive kind of learning. You're inviting them into the process of discovery. Yeah. And I think the chances of retaining the information and personalizing the information are much higher. That's so interesting. Hey, Ash, have you got a tip or a trick or a hack or something along those lines? If you only had to give one for, <laughs> oh, for one, communicating with middle. One. I'm just thinking there's people driving in their cars right now who are like, I have to speak to middle schools. I'm mm -hmm. writing my message. What would your one hack or tip be? Oh gosh, okay. I guess I'll answer with the most common question I get about communicating to middle schoolers, which is like, how do you get them to listen? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would just say that communicating to middle schoolers is a lot like bull riding. <laughs> I bet you didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> not that I've ever been a bull rider before, <laughs> but I like going to rodeos and watching it. Okay, um, we're going to have a whole other podcast about your raid, rodeo experiences, but keep going, keep going. Okay, like, I think it's fascinating because I don't think I breathe the whole time somebody's riding a bull. But what I've noticed is like one of two things happens. Either they get thrown off right away yep. or they are able to stay on for eight seconds and then they get thrown off and they win, yeah. right? Well, I think what the difference is in those who get thrown off right away and those who are able to stay on for eight seconds is they move with the bull. Okay. Like they anticipate the movement of the bull. The second they fight the movement, they're thrown off. Mm. And so as the cowboy or cowgirl kind of, it's like dancing with a bull in a way. You're anticipating the movement, you're moving with the bull, they stay on for the duration. I think the same thing is true when you're communicating to middle schoolers. Wow. If you approach it in a way that when an unexpected thing happens or an interruption occurs, that you fight against it, you've, you've lost them. Oh. And I think as you're communicating with a middle schooler and you anticipate the unexpected and you know what's about to happen and you move with them, you, you don't let it like, knock against you, you're not mm. going to get thrown off. Mm. And I feel like that is the best way to approach it. I think a lot of times we feel like we're, we fail as communicators when, like I was just recently speaking to communicators or to middle schoolers and a kid, it's silent in the room. I'm talking and he took a phone call, full phone call on the front row. <laughs> He's talking out loud in the room. And I'm like, this is the most amazing thing about middle schoolers. In that moment, I didn't let it, like I just acted like it wasn't happening because I didn't want to shame him or anything like that. Yeah. And in that moment, that was, I think, a, a good move on my part. But there are other moments where something funny happens. And I like, I remember I was teaching and this kid, middle schooler, got up in the, he was in the front row, got up and thought it would be a good time to go to the bathroom. Like they always do, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, the bathroom's right in the back of this room. He walks into the bathroom. He's like, say, hey, hey, if you're pooping. And he screams it. So the whole room <laughs> hears it. And so of course, like I, as a communicator, I could let that, to I could fight against that unexpected moment. Yeah. I would have lost the middle schoolers. Yeah. Instead, I just started laughing hysterically with them <laughs> because that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah. And guess what? They went with me. Brilliant. I didn't lose them there because Brilliant. I expected in that moment, I mean, not that I get it right all the time, but it's just an example of how do you move with them in the so course good. of communicating with so them. So good. So bull riding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Which kind of leads me to the next question. How do you manage like a, a room full of, this is the part about why I'm so scared to speak with middle schoolers is I think I could maybe do the communication part, but I don't know if I could manage a room full of, how do you do that? There is so much room management <laughs> in a room of middle schoolers. And it's even harder when they don't really know you. Mm. But I, I feel like this is, 
a a really important conversation with not just one cookie cutter answer. And it's not the same every time, which is why it's so difficult. Yeah. And you're going to fail a lot. We've all failed a lot. Even those of us who have been doing this for a long time still are trying to figure out how do you manage a room full of middle schoolers yeah. when you're trying to teach them life-changing truth. Mm. I would say the first thing is just show up as you. Yep. I think the moment middle schoolers can sense that you're not really acting like you or talking like you yep. or like you're not confident in who you are, they will eat you up. Mm. <laughs> like, so show up as you, even if you're not the coolest person in the room. Yeah. And even if you're not the trendiest person, I think they just want you to be you mm. because they value that and they need to see that. Yeah. I would also say like own the room in terms of how you're engaging the students. Change your pace, change your volume, change mm. your tone, move around the room. Don't just stand on the stage, like engage them. Don't be afraid of the room because yeah. if you look comfortable in a room and you have energy in a room, they're going to match that. So if you look like you know what's going on in the room, they're going to feel comfortable with you leading it. Yeah. And I would say expect the unexpected. Yeah. Like <laughs> that is the biggest thing when communicating to middle schoolers, like the funniest things happen in a room <laughs> when you're communicating and anybody who's talked to them knows this. And then when you know it's going to happen, it doesn't throw you off yeah. when it does. And don't take offense to it. Don't take it personal. Like this is just who they are and it's wonderful and lovely. And you will learn how to dance through those moments. And it's not going to be the same every time, but you're going to figure out what works for you. And it's going to be fantastic. Ash, I get the feeling that you get bored when you speak with adults. Like when you have to speak in, in quote unquote big church, that must be boring to you now. I prefer speaking to middle schoolers. I mean, they put up with my randomness. Like I feel like I was born to be in the middle school environment, you know? Seventh moment, grader for life. <laughs> nah, she should get that on a t-shirt. I know. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Oh, hey, there we go. Hey, um, who is this book for? Because I'm sure there are people who are brand new to speaking to middle schoolers, maybe people who've been speaking to middle schoolers for life. Who did you write this book for? Oh my goodness. Um, the list is long, but primarily anybody who speaks to middle schoolers, more than a few middle schoolers at a time. And yeah. that can be youth leaders. It can be your teaching team. Mm. It can be teachers, like school teachers, public school teachers, yeah. worship leaders. I think this would be so helpful for people who lead worship to think, oh, what are the words, phrases that I need to break down in this worship song before we sing it? So middle oh, schoolers aren't good. just singing a song, yeah. but they know what they're singing in context of what it's saying. That's really good. Um, I think FCA leaders and young life leaders and, and like small group leaders, honestly, yeah. even it can help them as they're having conversations with middle schoolers and learning to break down truths. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be helpful. I've had a lot of people ask if it's also for parents and it wasn't written for parents. It, it's not written for parents. I do think there are parts of it that parents would find really helpful. Yeah. It's not primary to that audience. So yeah. I would say it's more for teachers and youth leaders, teaching teams. I can see teams of people going through this together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like, uh, reflect and contextualize sections all throughout it that really challenge you to do these like things that help you grow as a communicator. I yeah. think that's the heart in it is how do we all become the communicators God has called us to be with the group that God has called us to. Yeah. I want to ask a very selfish question. There are people who are listening to this podcast from Australia and New Zealand and, and Europe where we don't have necessarily sectioned out middle school or, or, or junior high. What would you say to them? I guess they're dealing with most people in, in churches in Australia dealing with either kids ministry or high school ministry. Right. And so they're getting the middle schoolers 
at the front end of the high school or they're getting mm-hmm. them on the back end of the primary elementary age. Right. How, how does this book help them? Ooh, such a good question. I mean, no matter what you call them, if you call them preteens, middle school, junior high, adolescents, high schoolers, we're talking primarily about kids ages 10 to 14 okay. in this book. Yeah. So wherever that falls in however you divide up your ministry. Yeah. And I would say, even if you have a combined environment, this book is so beneficial. Not only is there an entire bonus chapter about communicating to a combined environment, because I knew somebody was going to ask me that, (laughs) but I would also say like, there is a way that you can be intentional when you're communicating to a combined environment to be intentional about all the audiences that are included. Mm. If it's a an, an group of middle and high school students, 10 yep. to 18 years old, yep. then you that's like the hardest job as a communicator because yeah. it's even more prep. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to prep for the middle schoolers in the room and you have to prep for the high schoolers in the room yeah. and making sure that you don't make fun of one of the phases, you know, in trying to be relevant to the other yeah. group in the room. Yeah, that's good. This is why I think uh, your explanation there of the 10 to 14-year-old age group, this is why I think this is a good book for parents because, I mean, I went through a phase where my kids, all three of my girls were between 10 and 14, and I didn't know how to communicate them, and I often didn't go through that process that you said of managing the room very well. Um, So this is why I think it's good for parents as well. Ash, when somebody puts this book down, finished it, read it cover to cover, as most people will because it's such a great book, What do you hope they walk away with? I hope that they walk away with confidence and also permission that it's okay to take more time and use more words in order Mm. to break something down for it to actually make sense to a middle schooler. If we want the words that we speak to make a difference, then the way that we say them matters a whole lot. Wow. That's so good, Ash. I can see your excitement for this book. I'm so excited. I can see, and, and I also see, I, I see this really clearly. And, and if you're listening to this on a podcast, I want to encourage you to go and have a look at the YouTube channel version of it because you're also very emotionally attached to people who communicate to middle schools, <laughs> aren't am, you? Yes. You care for them deeply. It's I so do. obvious. They're the so greatest obvious. on the planet. And it's so obvious in the way that you wrote the book. Ash, where can people get the book? Where can they pick up their own copy? You can get it on Amazon or store.thinkorange.com. That's so awesome. And I know you've got an Audible version coming out as well, which I'm, did you sing on that by any chance? Did you do a little You'll have to listen to find (laughs) out. (laughs) I'm going to be listening to that for sure. (laughs) Ash, thanks so much for writing this book uh, on behalf of every middle school pastor or leader out there or parent out there. But also thanks for coming in and talking about it. Thanks for having me. It's always good to see you, Ash. We should do this more. We should do this more often. We should co-host a podcast (laughs) together. Maybe we'll call it How to Communicate with Middle Schoolers. Or Metachurch. Or Metachurch. Which is Dave's new book, if you haven't checked it out. It's phenomenal. And I quoted multiple times in my book. (laughs) Thanks, Ash. I appreciate you. Well, wasn't that a great conversation with Ashley? If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, we would love if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, just like Casey did when she wrote, each episode brings in practical, immediate, applicable tips for leaders and volunteers in preschool kids and student ministry. Love the podcast. It's also easy and fun to listen to. Well, thanks so much for that review, Casey. Our team loves to read every single one that comes in. And if you're a ministry leader or volunteer who would like to get a copy of Ashley's book, you can do so by going to store.com thinkorange.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.